0: I got my boy back, my longtime producer, my longtime co-host. I'm out in San Diego, California. Life is great. I'm golfing. I'm surfing. It is 70 degrees out here. I don't got too much to complain about. But all the way from Chicago, Illinois, in downtown Chicago, the home of this year's nba all-star weekend on the other line is uncle luke domask
1: all-star weekend's all we have going for us here because it's it's not 70 degrees you know i'm not going surfing and i'm not enjoying myself i'm pretty miserable bo um but you know for for different reasons i i can't complain about life in general i love living down here uh it's 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 you know it is what it is, the weather, it's February, I, I'm not going to complain, people still complain about the weather here in Chicago in February, I got to do is move, you know what I mean, so All-Star Weekend's coming up, I couldn't be more excited, and I could not be more excited to be talking hoops with you today on this Friday afternoon.
0: God bless, brother. So, with a podcast like this, right, it's been a wild last couple months for us, we've been in and out of different cities, different places, different living situations, but let's go to the last time we talked. I think that, that that's that's how that this should go. And there is a text message that I sent about a week ago. It was Sunday night actually, February second. Sunday night. And it was like ten forty my time. Which is twelve forty your time. And I shoot a text and I'm not expecting any bit of a response. Zero it's Super I'm Bowl not Sunday. Expecting... What's that? Super Bowl Sunday. It was Super Bowl Sunday, right? Yeah, everyone else, they've had a full day. They're in bed. They got a, the worst work day in the world the following day. But I'm up late. It's 1040 my time. It's 1240 your time. And I'm watching a rerun on ESPN of Rockets Pelicans. And I just start firing off text to you. Boom, boom. Zion, Lonzo. Harden starting at the five or tip, uh, doing the jump ball. I'm expecting no response, and all of a sudden I get those three goddamn dots show up on my screen, and I'm like, "What is this guy still doing up?" And Uncle Luke, the response that you sent me was the most incredible, special, beautiful thing, because I say. Uncle Luke, why are you up right now? Because and you go, because I too am watching the rerun of the <laughs> Pelicans Rockets game, brother. It's February. This is what we do. We watch the NBA. It's those goddamn Tuesday nights, man. Oh man, we don't. Life's good, brother. Life's it, good. I'm happy to have you along for the ride. Thank
1: you, thank you. You know I love this time of year. It's the it's that when the the NFL playoffs kind of start or they're they're beginning to wind down. And then you know, you have probably till March 1st when the NCAA kind of takes over everything. The the March Madness kind of takes over everything for the next month. And I think we've always said, like, this is the best time to watch basketball because these guys know that their break is coming. There's a lot of movement in the NBA, a lot of trades going on. Obviously, we just passed a trade deadline. And it's just the best time to watch basketball for me. It's the best time to gamble on basketball, too, because guys are getting traded. You know, upsets happen every night, but also you have like enough data to where you're kind of looking at you know the the, the, the spectrum of the league and everything and you, and it's it's all coming together you know who the 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 contenders are you know barring maybe a significant move which you know maybe we had one or two yesterday that that were you know eye popping but maybe nothing totally changing outside of the Marcus Morris trade to LA uh, to the Clippers excuse me um i i think this is just the best time to watch basketball because you've truly figure out what the identity of teams are? You know the Bucks are by by and far the best team in the NBA currently. You know for a fact that LeBron and AD that's working out, that's meshing well. The Lakers got something. You it, the Clippers have been on and off. They they've been inconsistent, but you know that with Kawhi and Paul George, you have you have something that you can rely on come playoff time. But now we know that you know for example Philadelphia, what identity do they have? You know, and that's coming from me. I love Philly, but I think there's no place we should start this conversation more than who we're watching on a nightly basis right now, because it's, it's not just the bulls and bucks. You know, I'm, I've got absolutely zero reason to watch Chicago basketball currently, and you've got every reason to to tune into Milwaukee each night. I am as well, but come on, we got to tell, we got to tell the people who are we tuning into on a nightly basis right now?
0: Well, uncle Luke, you know what? I've, I've, I've kind of grown to call this this month of February. It's a very unique month as a sports fan, right? I think the MLB season is heating up. You've just wrapped up the NFL season. And right now, currently, the UFC is about to go through this eight-week hot streak where there are fights every weekend. But you know what the month of February is? It's the League Pass season.
1: League Pass This is the
0: season of League Pass, brother. This is when you're tuning in on those random, funky-ass nights to just watch some fun basketball. And you and I have taken pride with this over the last couple of years now, right? This is year three together for the NBA. And every year we do our league pass teams where we put together a roster of five or six cats that we think are going to be super fun to watch. They're outside of the regular realm of superstars, right? It's these, these younger kids who maybe haven't garnished the same amount of national media attention as the superstars have. But we've taken pride in this. This what I would almost say is our forte, our specialty. And I am not sure, Uncle Luke, that we have ever been more spot on, more hot, more specific, and more correct with our league pass picks than this year. We were very in tune. And I look back, and oh my God, brother, we nailed it on the head. We talk about it all the time, but our two league pass teams the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Memphis Grizzlies. These two teams, by far and away, have been some of the most entertaining and fun basketball teams to watch on a nightly basis. You've gotten to see growth. You've gotten to see consistency. You've gotten to see glimpses of what we expected to see and what we can expect to see in the next coming years. Brother, these are fun teams to watch right now. We have seen it all right now with new Orleans. We have the return of Zion. We have the rise of Brandon Ingram in a, in a way that I don't know either of us really saw coming. And then listen, I have been talking about Lonzo ball for so long, right? I've seen this kid literally since eighth grade. I knew he was special. I've said it for so long and you've heard me say this before, right? Oh, He's a very good passer. How often have I said that? He's a very good rebounder. He's an elite defender. We knew those things. We are seeing him this year. He's an improved jump shooter. But what I was surprised about this year with Lonzo, Uncle Luke, is what you've seen in Lonzo and the text that I'm getting from you. You know I love Lonzo. But when I've got Uncle Luke hitting my line saying Oh, please, Bulls, trade for Lonzo, trade for Lonzo, trade for Lonzo. Brother, what have you seen from Lonzo and the Pelicans that has you this excited? And how are we so spot on with these picks?
1: I think we should start with a question that I want to like ask you that's kind of rhetorical because I'm going to go on You know what you just asked me. But it's basically in the Western Conference right now. You have the LA teams. You have the, the, the contenders at the moment. But if we're looking five years down the road, and you're you're looking at, and we know how much the NBA changes on a on a season to season basis, or you know trade deadline to uh, the playoffs to free agency basis nowadays. Um, but if you're taking five uh, five years down the road, you look at the rosters. Say they stay the same for now, add a few pieces here and there. But if you look at the cores of these two play- teams, the Pelicans or the Grizzlies, who are you taking? You really can't go wrong. Like these these the way they're constructed, they are built to flourish, they're built to stick together. But I, I for me, like I'll answer the question right now. It is the New Orleans Pelicans. I love from top to bottom what they did with their organization, especially after the last year with the fallout with AD. Remember we had we had that episode where it was right after the trade deadline again and Porzingis got traded and we kind of had like a like a quick call, just you and I just talking on the phone basically about you know, the future of the Pelicans and what they're going to do. And obviously they lucked into Zion and getting the first pick, but the core they were, they were able to take from Los Angeles. Now we, you and I, we always, you know, texted about Brandon Ingram, you know, he's got the tools. He's got, as I like to say, he's got the ingredients. He's got everything you want in a, in a slim, you know, slender builds guy who can shoot the ball, who can fill up, uh, you know, fill it up a little bit. But this year he's just totally taken over. I mean, he's averaging 25 points a game. Uh, he's getting seven boards, so he's being a little bit more physical than he has, like almost career highs across the board. Uh, and then Zion comes back, and now they're meshing a little bit differently. I mean, the dude's so special to watch. He His his second step, his second bounce, um, the, the the crazy stat where if he misses a shot, he's like rebounding 65% of his own misses, which is absolutely incredible. And and they're playing him at the five. You know, like people are just like, well, is, is Zion a, a center or whatever? Is he, a, is he somebody who's going to bring the ball up? And the, the point of it all is it's like, Zion can just be there, you know? Let the other players react to Zion. The guy, I mean, at the five, he's way too quick for uh, the bigger guys, you know, the Andre Drummonds, the Tristan Thompsons of the world. And he's just way too physical to put, like, someone who is 6'6 on him. So he's a total mismatch nightmare. And then you put all the focus on him, all the eyeballs are on him, and then you realize, oh, shit, Drew Holiday, who is a professional, Professional basketball player who's going to show up every night. He's going to guard the best guard on the opposing team. You have Lonzo Ball. Oh, dude. Ugh. I really wish Lonzo Ball oh, was man. a ball. Oh, man. I really oh, man. do. I'm excited. Because, I, I mean, I've, I've watched this team a ton. I, I've I'd probably more than, you know, just as much as the Bulls. If I had to rank the teams, obviously the Bulls are going to be up there. I watch them every night, but the Bucks as well. But it's the Pelicans. Like, I love David Griffin. I, I've always loved him as a president. I loved him in Cleveland. I think he had made a lot of decisions that ended up not going his way and led to his firing because of LeBron and just the you know the pressure to win and be in the finals every year is tough on a GM. And then you have Alvin Gentry, who who's done this for years and years and knows how to coach young teams. And then you add the the mixture of Etowam Moore, who was a bull back in the day, love him. Derek Favors uh who else you got josh hart Lon- or jj reddick so you have the you have the right type of veterans that are kind of leading this team this pack and who cares if they don't make the playoffs they are so much fun to watch they are the epitome of a league pass team superstar rookie that you know is just going to be a special talent long as he stays healthy you have the pieces around him and brandon ingram who's going to go and get you a bucket drew holiday who can you know, out of nowhere put up thirty points in a night and and play you know all NBA defense Jackson Hayes is so much fun to 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 watch uh, and these guys were just in town last night and it was it's so apparent to me it's just like the pelicans on a whim you know the bulls are in year three of the rebuild in the matter of two months the Pelicans went from dormant franchise losing you know a top five NBA player to one of the most fun teams to watch in the league and a lot of it I honestly think is you know Zion and B.I. and J.J. and, and you know, even Jackson Hayes. I love Nico Melli, by the way, too. Uh, you're going to hear his name a lot more. He's shooting about 40% from three this year. Just kind of off the bench, just this random guy who's just playing really well in their system. But Lonzo is the engine. The oops are going to continue to come. I think this is going to be a special point guard to whatever you want, position you want to call Zion connection. You know, he's listed as a small forward. He's positionless, and I think that is the – it was the best thing for Lonzo's career to get out of L.A., become himself again, you know, kind of distance himself from the 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 brand um, that he kind of created out of college. And he's just being himself, and he's playing like Lonzo Ball should be playing, and they are the most fun team to watch for me.
0: Brother, I think, you know, prior to yesterday, I totally agreed with you. I had the Pelicans and really the reason wasn't Zion. It wasn't Brandon Ingram and it wasn't Lonzo. It it was actually Drew Holiday. I thought Drew Holiday is kind of what separates the New Orleans Pelicans from the Memphis Grizzlies. And I really can't say it better myself. The guy's a professional, man. You want to talk about doing everything the right way, pleasing a coach, pleasing a franchise, pleasing a front office. Drew Holiday does all of that and spades. And by the way, Jackson Hayes, he might be a uh, dunk contest snub. I, I really hope in the next year, two, three years that we get an opportunity to see him versus Zion in a dunk contest. I think they could put on a show, man. Absolutely. I think Those, those two boys could put on a show in a dunk contest. Hayes had just a nasty one earlier this week. But that was prior to yesterday. And something happened yesterday with the Memphis Grizzlies. That kind of changed my tune a little bit on the outlook of their future. So I was lucky to see the Memphis Grizzlies play against the Clippers earlier this year. That was uh, January 4th. I got to see them play. And the boys showed out in the Staples Center. They smacked the Clippers up and down the court that day. All of them were hitting. And there was a secret weapon out on that floor. It was Dylan Brooks. Now, if you've watched the Memphis Grizzlies this year, everyone knows about Ja, right? We've talked about Ja, 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 Ja. We had uh, had Drew Ruiz on the podcast earlier this year talking about Ja Morant. I had Tim Gallagher on talking about Ja Morant. You know I love my boy, Jaren. I love, I love, I love my boy, Jaren. I think he's got one of the brightest futures Over the next 12, 13, 14 years, because I don't see his game changing. It's the exact same as it is right now, as it will be in five years, as it will be in 10 years. He's just going to get a little bit craftier, a little bit sharper, a little bit more efficient, right? The turnovers will come down. He's going to pick his spots. Around the time that I saw him play, at the beginning of January, he was top five in the NBA an efficient field goal shooting percentage. The guy is 6'11". He's a power forward. He lights it up from three. He does everything you want.
1: He's shooting 40% from three. He's taking taking six a game.
0: But the guy that wins them games, the guy who allows them to go from being, you know, that bubble eight seed team that they're at right now is when Dylan Brooks gets hot and he starts lighting it up from deep. Like he did when I saw him play in the Staples Center against the Clippers, that is how they're going to be able to beat the good teams, the great teams, how they're going to be able to compete with teams that are probably, you know, a notch above where they're really at. It's Dylan Brooks. When he gets hot, man, they can play with anyone. You can take that to the bank. But yesterday, the Memphis Grizzlies make a move. They deal Andre Iguodala, who wasn't playing for them, so essentially trading no one, and they traded Jay Crowder to the Miami Heat. In return, they get James Johnson. They get Deion Waiters, who's going to be waived. But they got Justice Winslow. And Justice Winslow is an X-factor here. I think he's a guy who could really make a difference for this Memphis Grizzlies team. now. I don't know what direction he takes them in because let's be honest, John Morant is their ball handler, right? Jaron is their cleared, clear, clear number two going into the future. Dylan Brooks is their spot-up three-point shooter. I'm curious to see where Justice Winslow fits into this system, how he fits into the system, but you better believe if, if they can figure out how to apply the Triple J's, okay, You've got Jared Jackson Jr., John Morant, and Justice Winslow. Dog, I'm telling you, in five years, if those three can mesh together like they have the potential to, I might be going, I might be given the nod, I might be giving the edge to the Memphis Grizzlies. They're a little bit tougher. They're a little bit meaner. They're a little bit scarier. You know, I, I think... New Orleans, they're flashy. They're fun to watch. They're they're probably the more fun league pass team. But man, oh man, come playoff time in five years, in three years, I think I might be giving the edge to my boys down in Memphis.
1: Look, there's nothing I enjoy more than when a you know, professional sports team, but specifically an NBA team, takes on the persona of the town they play in you know everybody knows about grit and grind that was built that was culture from the Marcus saw Z uh, Zach Randolph Zebo Days Mike Conley down there Tony Allen like those guys just beat teams up you know that that's kind of a uh, a salute to the mid 2000s to late 20 uh the late 2000s as well that that sort of team that just you just didn't want to play them you know it's like ah, oh, Memphis is in town tonight screw that i don't want to get beat up by Tony Allen you know People didn't like playing against Memphis because they were just tough. They were physical, and John Moran's got that background. You know what I mean? Like the the kid grew up, and his dad was his his first hater. First hater. First hater is his father, so he he grew up with that mentality. And if you look at their roster, their starting five is all in double figures. You know, John and Jaron lead the way at seventeen points a pop, and I think a very underrated. guy on this team is Jonas Valanciunas. Like, the guy won a bunch of games in Toronto, gets shipped off from Marcus Gasol, and, you know, he's still averaging 15 and 10. You know, he's got the highest PER on the team. Like, the guy is still, you know, playing significant minutes on a good basketball team. He's he's a culture builder. And to now Alan Chunas, he's, he's done
0: a really good job of staying in his lane on this team, right? With Jaron being able to spread it out as a big, Jonas just has to worry about Jonas. He doesn't have to do anything other than his game, which exactly. is really special for the
1: uh-huh. yeah, absolutely, and and you mentioned Dylan Brooks, who, I, I mean, is you could either bring him off the bench, you could start him at point guard. I love Dylan Brooks as well. I think the Justice Winslow ac- uh, acquisition is is very underrated because you know it's it's I don't want, I'm not comparing the two, but I'm comparing the styles of in uh, Golden State when Clay and Curry are both cooking and Draymond's out there too. They, there are ways to rest guys while they're playing the game, you know, point guards, especially bringing You would know as, as a point guard yourself, bringing the ball up in, in a little by itself is a lot of work, especially it's over exhausting. a period. It's exhausting. You're constantly, you know, maybe one time you're, get, you're getting pressure uh, full court. Maybe you're getting picked up halfway. Maybe you're getting trapped like bringing the ball up and being a point guard is exhausting in and of itself. And the way John Morant plays, which is all gas, no breaks. And I absolutely love it. And I've seen it before in point guards where it's, it's just so invigorating to watch that he does not give a shit about how much energy expends on the court. But over time you want to keep that man on the court as long as possible as one of your best players. Justice Winslow is a matchup nightmare for guys who can bring up the ball. You know, some teams don't know, okay, well, he can't shoot. So let's put a big man on him. But if we put a big man on him, He's gonna blow past guys and it's gonna leave shooters open. They've got shooters on this team. Uh, another guy that I don't think you mentioned was, was Brandon Clark that they got through the draft, who is a who's just a total perfect three. I wouldn't say three and D because I don't know if he shoots the ball really well, but I know he's a great defender and he and he gets buckets without having the offense ran through him. I mean, I, I I'm taking the Pelicans just because I watch them on a nightly basis. I don't watch I, I don't watch Memphis as much as I should. Uh, it's it like these two teams, you know. Salute to those organizations where they know for a fact we're not going to convince a superstar to come to Memphis. They know for a fact we're not bringing a guy to New Orleans. You know, we would have kept AD in New Orleans and brought guys if, if they could. You know what I mean? So these teams, they have to become creative without the big markets. And that's what they're doing. They're building culture. And I think it's the most underrated aspect in the NBA is these guys continue to move around left and right, changing teams like underwear. Is if, if you can be the franchise that says, No, 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 no. We like you. We're keeping you. We don't look at you as a trade asset. We look at you as a player that can help us win basketball games. Both these teams have guys on the team that are they're gonna be there for a while because they're building culture as two lower market teams that is this is what the NBA wants. They want you and I who love basketball will watch it regardless. They want guys, you know, they want national televised games where it's like, Oh, this isn't the Knicks and the Lakers. This is Memphis and New Orleans. This is fun. This is great. Like Milwaukee in New Orleans last Thursday or Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? Yeah. So much fun, right? Like Zion versus Giannis. These guys not yeah, in big sensational. markets. Sensational. Yeah. You don't need the market anymore to sell sell a game. It's it's awesome. I love these two. I, I'm glad we started our conversation off here because I think on a nightly basis, these are the two teams that are capturing our eyes the most.
0: So Uncle Luke, we entered this conversation about the Pelicans and the Grizzlies because this is the league past season, right? Right, and we do we do our league pass guys every year. So we, we we put together a list right at the beginning of the season. Are there any players that you've added onto that list? Because I know that personally, I am so happy that I had Tyler Hero on that list to start yeah, the season. Was a good pick one. I took a roll. I took a roll of the dice. I didn't know if that was going to come back to haunt me. But the Miami Heat are another one of those teams that I have had. So much fun watching. Mm-hmm. They've made moves at the deadline. They're trying to be contenders. Pat Riley is all in. The Heat are going to contend. They're fun to watch. Tyler Hero is one of these players that I'm going to add to my list. I think this kid, he's got juice, man. The he kid's does. got
1: some juice. He's got the now, juice, I, baby,
0: bro. When you're getting love, and and this is a great, this is a great thing from uh, Bam out of Okay, this is what Bam said about Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler, right? Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler who's had turmoil with previous teams or supposed, it, right? I'm not I'm not here to speculate or suggest that he was the issue. But previous teams of Jimmy Butler, you know, there's some relative inconsistent team, camar- you know, camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Bam said it best. Bam said that Jimmy is a dog. Right? Jimmy is a dog. And when you surround him with cats, there's going to be trouble. Mm -hmm. But if you surround a dog with other dogs like they got in Miami, well, now you got a wolf pack. And a wolf pack can be real dangerous come playoff time. Without a doubt. So you look at this team, this is a much different Jimmy Butler mentality. This is a much different uh, unit that they've put together in Miami. I will say they're one of the teams that kind of scare me come playoff time for my Milwaukee Bucks. It starts with Tyler Hero being that special guy for them. Jimmy Butler is doing everything. Bam out of is playing with so much energy, bro. Mm-hmm. It's so infectious to watch him play. The other guys get juiced watching him play. And now they've made deals at the trade deadline. Now the Miami Heat come playoff time can start with Jimmy Butler on Chris Middleton, then throw him onto Giannis. Then you've got Andre Iguodala coming off the bench to guard Chris Middleton, then put him on Giannis. Oh, that's not working? Let's give a try with Jay Crowder. He's a little bit more muscle. He could guard Giannis. Brother, I'm telling you, they're one of the kind of night, uh, nightmare matchups for the Bucks. come April, May, June. I, they give me a little bit of a scare. Are there any players for you, Uncle Luke, that you've added on to your NBA All-League Pass team.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, 100%. I, I want to piggyback off that Miami thing because what you said is, is something I could not agree to more with. Uh, Jimmy Butler, you know, for all, for all the quote-unquote turmoil he has been a part of, he's been a part of winning teams majority of his career, and then he's left, left those teams, those teams falter. They, they become terrible. Obviously happening in Chicago, Minnesota is just as big of a mess. Philadelphia doesn't have an identity. Comes to Miami, and, and Wait, what I can love. You,
0: can you say that one more time? I just like hearing you talk poorly about Philadelphia. Can you just say one more time <laughs> it's, what you said about Philadelphia? Look,
1: I look. I what Charles? What Charles said last night. Charles Barkley says they're soft. They're the Cleveland Browns of this year. He's he's right. Like I I think they have to trade one of those two guys, whether it's Simmons or Embiid. I love them both individually. It's just very odd to see your point guard dominate the paint and your center who's 7'2", and the biggest guy in the league, shooting jump shots, right? So, There's, so, something's so, got to change. So
0: we're, so we're no longer trusting the process? Is I, that, well, look, is, okay, is the, that... the, the process is... <laughs> we,
1: when I went through this, Hinky was, when we started talking, Hinky was still a part of that team, all right? And I still believe in his vision, and I still think he can be a GM somewhere. But I don't want to get too caught up in the Philadelphia track, because Miami <laughs> absolutely deserves credit. Miami is exactly what I envisioned the post-Derek Rose-Joe Noah Bulls to be. I had this conversation the other day with uh, my roommate, Lucas, who has been watching the Bulls as much as I've ever been watching the Bulls as well. And I we we talk, we talk a lot about the Derek and the Noah years, and we don't always put Jimmy Butler. There was overlap, obviously. We don't always put Jimmy Butler in those years when we were really good. We were the best team in the league with Rose, the MVP, um, because he flourished once Rose went down. When, when the going got tough, and you had Tibbs, and you had Noah, and you had Taj... I'm not talking about cats, Bo. I'm talking about dogs, trained. Dogs. You know, bloodhounds, Taj Gibson, Joakim Noah, Nate oh Robinson. Oh God! I mean, like you could go on. These guys. This like is, DJ a, UFC Augustine. Yeah,
0: this is this, a UFC roster. This is a UFC roster, brother. And
1: we we won forty nine games with that team, and that's when Jimmy became he began to ascend. So I look at Miami, and it's it's all jealousy out of me. That's a team that's built culture. That's a team that has Pat Riley, who is a certified NBA Hall of Fame badass, Bamf, badass motherfucker. Whoa. Pat Riley, I would if I wanted to play for any organization, I hate the Miami Heat. Don't get me twisted. I for for the big three and everything, I've always hated the Miami Heat. But I salute Pat Riley. That man's been doing it for decades upon decades. Player, coach, GM, just world class culture builder. All right. That's that's my word today. It's all about culture for obvious reasons. Anyway, I mean, he's got the perfect that's exactly the roster I envisioned, in Chicago, to put around Jimmy and it's it's working i love pat going after iguadala and bringing another wing in they came through chicago and i was there and i saw them absolutely blow past the bulls on a on a friday night where you thought the bulls would show up miami just absolutely outclassed them i think jimmy butler should have been an all-star starter for what he's done i don't think his game will ever get enough credit you know the reason why the bulls lowballed his first contract and then traded him away is like we don't think he's the guy you know what a good organization does bo like pat riley he goes no 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 He's exactly what I want leading my team. It's up to me to put the right players around him. What does that look like? Tyler Hero, bona fide rookie, jump shooting, just badass, assassin, right? Assassin,
0: bro. He's an assassin.
1: And then what do you have next to him? Duncan Robinson, who I have not seen miss a shot all year. The dude is lights out from the corners, and, and, and guys just kind of leave him open because he's Duncan Robinson. You know, he's not going to blow past you. Guys just kind of sag off him because... He's just a white guy who shoots from, really well in the NBA.
0: From from Exeter Prep College. From Exeter Prep School Ball. Pick that
1: on a map. Pick that out on a map, right? And I, got have... nothing. I don't even know where it is, <laughs> but I know that's where you went. And then Pat Riley, obviously a good eye for talent. Pat Bam Adebayo went, what, in the early teens? Yeah. A, not, in that even, draft?
0: not even – how does a guy like that yeah.
1: drop? That, that, that is a quintessential what a big man should look like is, as how, is how Bam's playing, how, the, how it looks – so I think Miami should absolutely give you uh some I, I would it, it, look Milwaukee's Milwaukee. One of those teams speaking up. We're getting into them.
0: Yeah, We're getting know, into them. We're getting into them, but
1: I know, but you you told me to add the players that I've added to my list. I mentioned Nico Melli, who's just this like guy who gets like seven minutes a game in the Pelicans. And <laughs> and he's just this this big Euro power forward who just drains, shoots like 37% from three. It's awesome. Uh, I love watching him play. Uh, it's like the taco fall effect. When he comes in, I get all giddy and excited because I know he's going to get open shots. Uh, but for me, it's, it's Chris Middleton. I mean, who's taken another step after the big contract in Milwaukee. This is kind of an ode to how much I've walked Milwaukee. The guy's 50-40-90 right now. Okay? He'd be, what, the 14th player in NBA history, 15th player in NBA history to do that? You know, I, I, I have maybe more than anybody else have always been telling you, Milwaukee needs that second guy. They need Brad Beal. And in that time span that I've been saying that, Chris Middleton has just casually just been, yeah, I'm that guy, you know. So what? I was a second round pick. I am a three and D nightmare. I bring the ball up. I, you know, I, I, uh, he's I, he's absolutely one of the guys I've been enjoying watching. Guy who is on my list who I can't stop watching. I love this team as well. Is is Shea just Alexander, aka uh, Shea, uh, aka aka Shea Butter, because that game oh, is so smooth. That Shea Gilgis, Shea so, Gilgis, brother, so smooth. He's him and Chris Paul. I I to watch Chris Paul play. I used to hate Chris Paul. I used to, I I loved Chris Paul. I hated Chris Paul, and I love Chris Paul again. Who's just this is the
0: most I've ever liked Chris Paul. This season I, has been spectacular for his image. There's there's
1: very few things I've ever vibed with than in OKC. He shows up. You know OKC makes the trade with Westbrook for for Chris Paul, and they have all these assets, these young guys. They still have a little bit of their core left over from the the, the Durant and Westbrook years with Stephen Adams and. Uh, Danilo shows up as well, but you look at him and it's like, okay, this team doesn't look like they're going to win a lot of ball games. Right. Chris Paul walks in and Sam Presti says, Hey, you know, are you comfortable with us? Not, you know, probably going to be competing for a playoff spot this year. And Chris Paul goes, no, fuck that. We have the talent to win here. And everybody on that team is bought in. And I mean, Shea Gilly is, is, one of my favorite players period to watch in the league um, may I may I add ahead, one yeah.
0: more player just to the to wrap yeah, yeah. up the conversation because we've we've hit the 30 minute mark and we have to get into the state of the union next. Um one final player and this is probably going to piss off some this is going to get a roll of the eyes from probably a large demographic of our crowd. Um Michael Porter Jr., man. He's been fun to watch when yeah. when healthy and when mm-hmm. he's getting in those games every time he steps on the floor he's been special, man. He, he finds his spots. He doesn't force too much. The, the nuggets who've had this weird kind of bizarre up and down season at times, they look like they can compete in the West at times. They just fall flat on their face and Jokic disappears in games. He looks out of shape at times. And then other times he just goes straight bully ball and abuses people in the post. So I don't know what to make of the Denver Nuggets per se, but I know that when I'm watching them and Michael Porter Jr. steps in the game and he goes on those little six to eight point runs kind of by himself, dude, I, I get those like butterflies, like watching them hoop. And I, I just, and, and immediately I think about what could have been at Mizzou, but right. But man, I think we all do.
1: We all do. He's entered
0: this conversation for my league past team because I just genuinely really enjoy watching him play basketball.
1: Yeah, it's exactly what we expected out of Mizzou, and I think at this point we should we should. There's a part of us that are always gonna be like, "What if?" You know, we still made the tournament, we still accomplished the 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 goals uh, for the most part that year without him um, for the majority of the year. But I, I think for now it should just be all love. You know, that's that's in the past. We want to see that guy succeed. It's good for the Mizzou basketball program to, to continuously have that guy. We could be like, oh, by the way, Michael Porter chose to come here. Let's, ma- let's make that clear. He, regardless if he didn't play, he still chose to come here. That's good for the program that he succeeds. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, all the ingredients are there for him to be a stud player. He could absolutely be that third guy that they're desperately missing, that when Jokic is maybe in foul trouble and Murray's having that, that one – Game three in the second round of the playoffs, where he's just not getting his shot going, or maybe he's being shut down. It's like, okay, our top two guys, our top two scorers, the guys we look to to get buckets every night aren't, you know, working for us. Who's the guy we go to? And there's no better guy that can get you a bucket. No guy who no, no build better to get you a bucket than a slender, but he's putting some meat on, you know, a, a, just a 6'10, all. Area, you know, all three levels of the floor score, and absolutely, Michael Porter Jr. is a good person to add to this list because he deserves a little bit of credit for for battling back. It's it's not easy to have a bad back at eight at you know, nineteen years old. So I hope no, he's he's in the league for fifteen years. I absolutely do. All
0: right, Uncle Luke, we can take a small break right now. When we get back, we're gonna do a State of the Union, and uh, oh boy, I, I am curious to see what you have to say, my friend. All right, let's take a quick break. we saw the president of the United States make his state of the union address. So it seems fitting that uncle Luke and I will be doing the same for our respective teams. Now we saw Nancy Pelosi's reaction to the president's speech uh, behind him ripping up the piece of paper. Uh, and I have a funny suspicion that uncle Luke will be having a similar reaction when it comes to discussing the Chicago Bulls, obviously we just got done with the NBA trade deadline. Uncle Luke, I'm gonna let you go first here. Um, we don't have to dwell on it too much, you know. I, I, I'm a, I'm positive that you could do a two-hour, three-hour, ten-hour, year-long rant if you really wanted to about the dysfunction, the uh, incapability, the just pure lack of professionalism. Rub
1: it in, and Bo. Then, just keep going,
0: dog. I. I have I ever rubbed this in your face? No, have I no, ever once said um oh the bulls you know fucking suck i'm never saying that i I want them to be good they need to be good for the nBA i I believed two three years ago that it would get better and it hasn't and there's no signs that it will and uncle luke i I don't even really know what to say from my end so I can't even imagine really what um what you have to say.
1: Yeah. Uh you know, I was talking to my dad last night. I was uh, I had a nice little 40-minute conversation. Uh that's that started. He texted me he goes, "25 to 1 Arizona Wildcats to win the the NCAA title." I was like, "What? In Gods, name? why am I getting this? You know, why am I getting this text at 9:30 at night?" So I ended up calling him and started talking about a lot of things and you know, one of the things he asked me, he goes, you know, cuz it was the deadline yesterday and obviously I was very active on Twitter and t- tweeting and being upset you know he goes you knew they weren't really going to do anything and if they did what are you going to get for Thad Young what are you going to get for Denzel Valentine what are you going to get period for for Zach Levine people are calling about Zach Levine and I go you know what you're 100% correct Ed. there is absolutely nothing that would have warranted a blockbuster trade for the Bulls you know maybe get rid of Valentine for some sort of asset or Thad Young obviously could help 10 teams in the playoffs Um, but what I told them was I go through these like cycles as a bulls fan for the last 10 years where oh, there's a month where I just don't care the result. I watched the game and I just don't care, which is the worst. Probably the worst you could be is not giving a shit either way, which is, I think a lot of people in the position, a lot of bulls fans are in that position right now. Um, and then there's another month where I'm just, I'm just not watching. I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just not going to watch. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to tweet about it, whatever. Third and fourth months, you know, the third and fourth cycles are kind of the same where it's just I am angry. There, I, I see their names. I see the Bulls. I watch them play, and I just get so upset because it's just been so long now, right? Now, I I don't want to go through the history of of everything. I think the tweet I tweeted yesterday about, you know, the 30 front offices in the NBA, only three have been around since 03 It's Pat Riley and uh, Poppin' RC Popovich. Buford, and then there's – John Paxson and Garford, and you look at that, and you obviously those guys have won rings. Riley and uh, Riley and Pop and RC Buford, they've won. They've been to conference titles, and the Bulls have literally won Eastern Conference Finals victory. We haven't we haven't left the second round of the playoffs in almost ten years now, and it it, it started back then when Woodrose got hurt. You know, the Bulls weren't playing as well, and they began to start turn, like making the narrative oh, this is all Derrick Rose's fault. He's injured. This is the this is where I draw the line. This is why I got I'm so upset yesterday. It is the fucking excuses year after year, and it's the same ones. Injuries. You know, we don't have assets. We don't know what we have. For, for John Paxson to, to call a press conference yesterday and have the audacity, the audacity to say three years into the rebuild, we don't know what we have. I'll tell you what you have. And it's, it's what I retweeted earlier today. You can look at underneath that tweet I was just talking about. retweeted today. You have a fan base, a loyal as fuck fan base. When I grew up, the Bulls were worse than they are right now record-wise. They were worse. They were, fi- they were winning 15, 18 games. I was still going to the games. And guess what? Everyone else was still going to the games. We were still filling up the largest stadium in the NBA in the early 2000s. Then we got good. We started making decent moves. Gar Pax wins uh, executives of the year. It's like, okay, we're rebuilding. Well, Rose gets hurt. Uh, we, we trade Jimmy. And it's just like I look back on that trading Jimmy Butler moment and I go, you know, at the time when they made the trade, I was like, you know, it was probably for the best. We probably won't win a title with this guy. But at the same time, I'm thinking, we have Jimmy Butler. We live in Chicago. We're not in Indiana. We're not in OKC. We're not in Sacramento. This is fucking Chicago how can you not sell to and look at the last 3 years when we traded Jimmy the last 3 years how much change has happened in the nba in that time tenfold guys going all over the place you're telling me that with a decent coach a decent roster of young guys couldn't and some cap space you couldn't lure in a, a franchise changing player to to pair with Jimmy Butler you couldn't do that you know so like it goes back to that but now it's just it's just like a, I take a deep breath, and I'm like, look, they're here. It doesn't seem like they're going anywhere. They're making these excuses. Change has to happen at the top. And I have people ask me, like, okay, so they fire all those guys. And don't even get me started on Jim Boylan. He's the worst coach in the NBA. You know, I think he's a he's a good dude. I think he's a great assistant coach. I think, you know, I came from the drill sergeant era of Popovich. You know, I'm not discrediting his basketball background, for this team, this moment, this organization, he's not the guy. And, he, and it shows. They just, they're, not, they're not believing it's bad. And I think. Uncle Luke,
0: can I yeah. ask a question?
1: Go ahead, please.
0: Because. No, 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 no. Because. <clears throat> excuse me. I think this is important. Why do you keep going to games? And, and seriously, catch your breath. Think about this for a sec. Because yeah, yeah. the product is not good. The organization does not deserve the support of the fans. It has been clearly inconsistent, clearly unprofessional. They do not deserve, they have not earned the loyalty that they have been bestowed upon them by the luck of the stars. They're lucky that they're in Chicago or else the team would have been relocated. Why do you keep going to games? Why do people continue to go to games? There is no reason. There's no sense of entertainment on the floor from the Chicago side. So unless you are purely going there for the opposing team, for the opposing roster, for a special player that comes into town, why do you continue to go to games?
1: You know, I'm glad you asked that question because it keeps me you know, on track of what I was trying to say. When Kobe passed away on that Sunday a couple weeks ago, the Bulls were playing San Antonio, which late January it's cold out. It was it was in a, it wasn't a great night weather wise. Those are the types of games where you test the the temperature of the franchise. So I went to the game. I I, I bought like the last level seat, so I paid like twenty five bucks, um, the night of, knowing that sections would be available, as in like I could go to any row in a certain section, sit there and be fine. Um, so I did that, and I, I mainly went to to see how an organization that was often compared with Kobe, with Michael Jordan, how they, you know, how those two have always interacted. I wanted to see how that organization would would remember Kobe Bryant. Obviously, like after his death, all I wanted to do was just watch basketball and continuously watch all this this news about the, a guy that I grew up not necessarily liking but admiring. Um, not until later in respected. his career that I actually yeah, exactly I, 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 always respected. Line respected. Yeah, always respected, especially after his career, I became very enamored with everything he was doing. But I just wanted to see that. But San Antonio, not a good basketball team. The Bulls, obviously horrible. I walked in, I and I nobody stopped me like they used to, and look at your ticket, make sure you're sitting where you used to. When the place filled up every night, and I walked in, and it's like the intros, the iconic intro comes in. It's like. Okay, yeah, you know, obviously these guys are all injured. I love Wendell Carter and, and a couple of guys on the team that I do like watching play basketball, but they're all injured. So it's like, okay, go through the lineups. And, like, I guarantee, I sit down uh, in the second row of my section. There's seats all over the place. A group of five girls shows up next to me, sits right behind me. And I know they're not there for the basketball on the court. They're there for the experience. And that's what the United Center has always done a really good job of is providing the experience of we're the Chicago Bulls. We're, we're a, you know, a great franchise. And I asked them, I was like, Why are you guys here? And they're like, Well, we had really nothing else to do on a Monday night and we had free tickets. And that is pretty much all I needed to know. People are giving away their tickets. People are selling their tickets. The diehard Bulls fans that have the season tickets who have been around since the Jordan years aren't going to the games anymore. It's not the clientele that was in the seats when Derrick Rose was was flying through the Chicago air doing whatever he you know, doing MVP level stuff every night it wasn't Jimmy Butler willing his team to victory those those fans are no longer there people are there for the experience of just being in a basketball game they're there to have a good time they don't care about the result and that's just how it is and to me that is the saddest part about all this is that you had a loyal fan base that at the very beginning of the uh new era after the Jordan years that was like you know what we just won six championships in eight years we get it we're gonna have to rebuild it's going to take time they do, you know. They get a competitive team. They make a few playoff runs, but now that we're we're in year seventeen, and we've been to the conference finals once, you know. We're in year three of this rebuild, and it's like, okay. By now, you look at Memphis. You look at Pelicans. Indiana has been to the playoffs twenty five of the last thirty years. Indianapolis, the Pacers, been in the playoffs twenty five the last thirty years. Think about that. That's insane to think about. And it's not because of market. It's not because they're bringing guys in because people want to live in Indianapolis. It's just culture. It's being a good organization day in and day out. And the thing that bothers me the most is that it's it's the worst-kept secret in the league. Nobody wants to come to Chicago and play under this regime. Nobody wants to play under Jim Boylan. The, kid, the guys right now don't want to play under Jim Boylan. Everybody is either – Taken a step back, has not Developed properly, draft Picks that, you know, guys leave this place And are like, thank God, I can start my career The the Whether it's true or not, that Lori's gonna bolt the first moment he could I don't blame the dude, we misuse guys You know, Lori should be getting 15, 20 shots a game Not 10, and being out For stretches, 10 minutes at a time There is still no plan The excuses continue to be made And it's the same excuse after the same Excuse, and you know, in, in, the, in the real world, I'll end with this. In the real world, you know, in the last year, the last year, you know, class two years, I've graduated college. I've gotten a job. You know, I, I've, I've begun to begin my professional career. And I think the most important thing that anybody would tell you is show up, you do your job. Either you, you, If you don't, you, you get fired. If you do, you get rewarded for it. Simple as that. But there's always some incentive to either be getting better or continuously doing your job. That, this is normal life. And if you want to apply it to what John Paxson and Gar Foreman are doing, is that whatever they do or whatever they have done, whatever excuses they've made, whatever working excuses they have made, they know that their jobs aren't going anywhere if the team wins or the team loses. Simple as that. So when this was
0: this was your best bulls rant.
1: I, I I but it's just it's just the reality. I've I've accepted reality you know, obviously the seven three straight seven uh, overall picks doesn't help for developing, but enough of the fucking excuses changes need to be made. They need to be, be made at the top. It's the Reinsdorf family. They're the, te- they're the They're the people who built this franchise into what it, it is, you know, which is a multi-billion dollar franchise, one of the most recognizable brands in the world. Start acting like it. Start make make a change. When you're losing, when you're losing money, when people aren't showing up, when people are angry, when you have people who have been through it from thick and thin like me, who aren't going anywhere, if if anything, do it for the people who who have nonstop for the last 25 years, have shown up to games, win, lose, or draw. Do it for them. Because obviously, you're not doing it for yourselves. So... That's just the way it is. It's it is quote unquote the state of the union about the Bulls. They're not going anywhere until the changes at the very top are made. Simple as that. Sell
0: the team. (laughs) They don't. Sell the team. Look, look. Sell the team.
1: (laughs) As angry as I am at Jerry Reinsdorf for all the type of stuff he said when you know back in like the early two thousands when the Sox were good and trying to win a World Series, and he goes, "Yeah, I'd give up one of those Bulls." Titles for a World Series title, like nobody wants to hear that. Whether you Jesus. believe it or not, don't fucking say that. That's arguably the greatest eight-year stretch in NBA history. You can make you can make that that case with one of the, with with the greatest player to ever play. You know, like you can make that case, and you give one of them back. That that tells me where your heart is, and whether that's true now or not. Like they built this franchise, now they got to fix it. It starts with the Reinsdorf's. That's it.
0: All right, Uncle Luke. Bravo! By the way, this was this was fantastic. No, that was really really good to hear. I mean, I yeah, I have no, I have nothing to add. There's there's nothing else I can really say to add to this conversation. I let's talk
1: that. the Bucks. I want to be happy. All right. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. You know, um, whew. where to begin with my Milwaukee Bucks? Well, I'll say that it looks a lot like last year. Yeah. Very very similar to last year. Um. I mean the team hasn't reached ten losses yet. It's February. Uh I believe the magic number is at six now for the magic number of wins to guarantee a playoff spot. Again, it's not even Valentine's Day yet. So yeah, the season's going pretty well. I, I don't got too much to complain about over here. Uh but I wanna I wanna circle back to a point that you made. And I don't believe it was on a podcast. I believe you were texting me and I didn't believe it really at the time, or maybe I didn't, I, maybe I didn't realize how much I appreciated it at the time, but you texted me and you said, with all this movement that goes on in the NBA, continuity matters. You said that to me, you said, continuity matters. And the Bucks are one of the few teams in the NBA that are going to be contending this year for a championship where the continuity has been built. They are they are building upon a foundation. They are not creating a foundation. They are building brick by brick on top of what has already been laid down over the last five years. And it's really, really special. It's almost, it makes it, Um, I'm more appreciative of it because of the route that they've gone to get there, right? We we didn't take this super easy road. We didn't take uh, the the quick, direct, nonstop flight to Contender City, right? We took the bus, then we took the train, and then eventually we got a rental car. And now we find ourselves in Contender City, and it's been a long, winding road, but it makes the the... The journey has made this a lot more fun. So I want to say that I take it – I don't take it for granted, but that's really hard to say because the Bucks can be down uh, eight points with like six minutes left, and although that hasn't happened much this year, <laughs> I'm never sweating during these games. I am so confident. I am always at ease. I am so sure that the boys are going to will out a W. And, and, I mean, we've been lucky – Giannis is the only player on this team that is averaging more than thirty minutes a game right now.
1: Think about it. It's like what? Only like thirty-two minutes a game or something. It's like nothing. He's
0: at like thirty-one minutes, thirty-two minutes a game. Mm -hmm. We are doing the proper way, the formal way, the appropriate way of load management. This is how you properly load manage your your top tier players. So. I guess there's no no other place to start than than Giannis onto Um You've heard me talk about him before, uh, like Lonzo. You know, I've I've been in depth about what I think of his game. But I guess what I can talk about because I haven't we haven't been able to have these discussions over the last season or the last half season. What are the changes from last year? What's been different? What's different between this year and last year? So let's start with the negative. I would say that one minor concern for Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks is his free throw percentage is down this year. And uh, I, I know that this is something that really concerns my dad. Giannis is at like 63% on the year at the free throw line. And that's not good enough, especially come playoff time. My, my hope is that come playoff time, he's at Tim Duncan, right? He makes them when they count. He doesn't necessarily shoot 80% from the line, but he gets to a point where it's 68, 69, 70%. But he makes the ones that matter. He makes the big ones, right? The ones that are the daggers, the ones that clinch, the ones that that extend the lead from nine points to 10 points to make it a four-possession game instead of a three-possession game, right? The ones that matter. The hope is that that's what it is. But I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. I'm I'm a little concerned. And uh, I would say that's probably the only concern. Listen, the changes from last year. He's a better three-point shooter. He's a better jump shooter. He's got a better turnaround. He's doing more hook shots. His – oh, phone's ringing. I didn't even know we had a house phone, so. A
1: little break in the action as Bo uh... – Turns off the phone. Jesus. you going to pick it up or? Nothing like dead air in the middle of a Milwaukee Bucks rant. I know. You know? How dare they? How <laughs>
0: fucking dare they? Um, no, I can go back. Giannis has improved his three-point shooting. He has improved his pull-up. He has improved his turnaround. He is, he is using a baby hook shot in the center of the lane. He is doing everything that I asked him to do during last year's playoffs against the Toronto Raptors, where I said the only difference that needs to be made between this year's or excuse me, last year's team and this year's team is that Giannis just needs to hit three point shots that are wide open and he needs to be able to extend defenses out to, to force them to guard him at 16 and 17 feet. And really, he's doing that this year. The the 76ers yesterday tried to to lay off Giannis. Oh, give him space. Let's see if he can shoot it. The Bucks won by 11. Okay? So that's not going to work. And I don't think come playoff time, it's going to work. You know, maybe, maybe you get physical with him and maybe he only shoots 63, 64% from the line for a night. But I don't think Giannis is going to be the concern this year. Giannis has done everything that I asked him to do in the offseason, and he's incorporating it into this season. That's really hard to do. You always see guys doing these off season workouts. You always see the work that goes on in those open night, the, the open gyms at night, the late night runs. You always see, oh, James Harden's working on this new behind-the-back, step-back, one-legged shot from the corner. No, Giannis is doing things that he wants to implement during this season, okay? I don't know if you saw the NBA All-Star Draft from yesterday, Uncle Luke, but he had a pretty funny moment with James Harden where he said, no, I want someone who's going to pass me the ball. Giannis and James Harden could not be more different. They could not be more different in every aspect of life. I'm really proud of Giannis. I'm proud of the way he's leading this team. I'm proud of the way he cheers on the other guys. He has gone out of his way to welcome in Wes Matthews. He's gone out of his way to welcome in Robin Lopez with their WWE pregame antics. He's gone out of his way to, to help the young guys rise up. He is a leader. He is our Superman. And I I just know that come playoff time, whether or not we're the best team, whether or not other teams are going to throw the kitchen sink at us. There is no man. That I would rather go to war behind than Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, this guy is as special as they come. I still I the MVP.
1: That, still the MVP.
0: Still the fucking MVP, my guy. And I, I know that you make the comparison between the Milwaukee Bucks and, and your your beloved 2010, 11 Bulls. Um, I don't know. I I don't know if I necessarily see it as much as you do. I'm not discrediting what you say when you make that comparison because other people have clearly made that comparison. You're not the only one in that belief. The way the team is built, sure, there's similarities. Giannis is as special of a talent, of a personality, as a leader, as I've seen maybe in my entire life in, in watching sports, in my entire sports fandom. I'm not sure I've ever seen a leader quite like him. Um, you know, beyond that, Chris Middleton, you talked about him. He's doing everything, man. He, uh, when Giannis goes out, he drops 50 burgers. When, when the bucks need a three ball, he pulls it. He lets it fly. Um, perhaps his most efficient weapon is when he gets in the post and they try and put that two guard, who's going to guard Chris Middleton for the day. Okay. Now back that motherfucker down and he's gonna go right over the top of you, twelve feet bank, eleven feet. Oh, that one drops. Oh, little turnaround from the free throw line, brother. I'm telling you, this guy is an assassin from the mid range. It's his comfort food. It's what makes him happy. Sure, it's not in. It's not in the Bucks' diet, right? It's not their diet. We we stick to our. We stick to our veggies. We stick to our greens, and we stick to our high protein. We stick to the dunks, and we stick to the three ball. But in order to be happy, in order to stay consistent with that diet, you got to treat yourself. And for Chris Middleton, that's the mid range. That's that comfort food. That's that soul food. When he goes down south, and he gets that fried chicken, a little bit of mac and cheese.
1: Life's all about bet- balance. <laughs> Brother,
0: you got to have that balance. I'm telling you, man. You got to have that comfort food. And Middleton, this year more than ever, is finding that balance, that yin and that yang doing a little bit of both and I think come playoff time that's going to serve them well because in the playoffs the threes don't drop like they do all of a sudden the paint it's a little tighter than it used to be well that's when Giannis and Middleton are going to have to start doing that mid-range killer game I'm excited to see it get to use so let's talk about what's different between last year's bucks and this year's bucks because really Middleton and Giannis I've laid it out Bledsoe. He's smarter. He's more patient. He's letting the game come to him. But with Kyle Korver being on this team, you're starting to see Korver's shooting mentality being put into place by guys like Giannis. Giannis adopting Korver's free throw routine and helping him out at the three-point line. Bledsoe, once again, adopting the Kyle Korver school of three-point shooting. And it's paying off this year. He's shooting the ball at a higher clip from three-point land. And he's a defensive genius. There's no other way to put it. I don't care. It doesn't look like he's working. It doesn't look like he's necessarily locking down a guy. But I'm telling you, brother, he is Troy Polamalu of these Milwaukee Bucks, okay? He roams the defense. He guards bigger guys. He's stocky. He's built. No one runs him over. He gets boards that he should not be getting. Baby Braun is a savage dude. And I just hope, I pray to God that for the first time in a Milwaukee Bucks jersey, that it translates into the playoffs. And if it doesn't, well, 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 may I introduce to you my friend, George Hill, the leader In the NBA three-point percentage at, no, 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 not 45%, which Doug McDermott is at. Not 46%, which the number two candidate, J.J. Redick, is at. At number one in the NBA three-point leaders is George Hill at 51.1% from the three-point line. Brother, did, did you hear that correctly? 51.1% 51.1% from the three-point line. Oh, my God. He might be our X-factor. We lost Brogdon, and there was concern. Are the Bucks going to be the same? What are they going to do? Who's going to be their lockdown guy? Who's going to get to the rack? Well, you know what? George Hill and Dante DiVincenzo have picked up the slack so seamlessly. It's remarkable, man. Dante DiVincenzo, George Hill, come playoff time. They're gonna get the love and attention that they actually deserve because people have not given them the respect that they've they've earned this season. Okay. They do everything that Giannis needs them to do. They defend, they hit open shots, they get loose balls, they don't turn it over. They're special, they're fun to watch. Lopez isn't even hitting the three ball. He he just blocks shots, he spaces the floor. By the grace of God, if he was to start hitting the three ball again come April, watch out. I don't know if there's another team that's going to stop this Milwaukee Bucks train. Uncle Luke, I know you've been all aboard. So choo-choo, motherfucker. Let's get to the playoffs. I'm so ready.
1: There's a reason why I I, I bet the future on them to win the NBA title. Are, are the teams in the West more talented? Absolutely, but... Continuity, continuity matters. It matters when you go to war with these guys in the playoffs. You know, Bledsoe hopefully learns his lesson for being a no-show last year, and it really, it really hurt them. Really, um, it's two years. It's yeah, two uh, years you're right. It, now. it has been two years in a row when he got, you know, he got kind of eaten up by Rozier in that 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 first playoff series against Boston. But you know, the, when you're the big dog, it's a little bit different. When the when the people are coming for you, it's a little bit. Look, this time, I, I, it's because they're in Milwaukee. It's because it is Milwaukee that these guys aren't getting the attention they probably deserve. I mean, their point differential is out of control. Uh, It's one of the best in NBA history currently. They just beat up on teams. Um, And they'll they'll play teams tough to the third and midway through the fourth quarter. It's that last five minutes where – when they're making shots and you're not, it's over. And I know that's kind of the game of basketball in general, but they're so good defensively and nobody talks about it. Like Brooke Lopez and Giannis and and Wes Matthews, who's an absolute killer, just a guy who's going to put whatever minutes he's on the floor and just give his heart to that to that game. And and I, there's nobody in the East that can really hang with them, I think, in a seven-game series. I do want to take the time and, and say, I was going to tweet this the other night, but I, I waited for this to say it. I... I just want people to remember that the Toronto Raptors are the defending champions and they're better at this point last year or at this point this year than they were last year with Kawhi Leonard. OK, salute to them. I don't know. They, they probably don't have enough. They don't probably have the firepower to get past the Bucks. But if you had to tell me who's going to meet the Bucks in the conference finals, the Heat or the Raptors, I'm probably siding with the Raptors because championship pedigree I like to when you're the defending champion, you you earn that right for me to to give you the benefit of the doubt. I think Siakam is still one of the most heavily slept on guys in the NBA. As much as I've hated Kyle Lowry, the man's an NBA champion, I can't take that away from him. Like and I and I think Nick Nurse is, is already a top five coach in the NBA for what he's done there already. Dog, I think it might be top three. You know, like for what he's already done, for them not to skip a beat when Kawhi left, you know, they made their mark They've just kept it rolling and rolling. That's a good basketball team. My or Excuse me. Miami is also a very good basketball team. With it. We'll see in the next month or so what these pieces kind of accumulate to being. But the Bucs, they know who they are. They know what they're doing every single night. They know how to beat you multiple ways. Giannis can just be the best player in the world, and you can't do anything about that. And most nights, that's enough. When he's not on, you have Bledsoe, you have Brooke Lopez, you have Robin Lopez, who comes off the bench, who I always loved when he was in Chicago. Great player. Devin is playing his role perfectly. You have mentioned George Hill. It's the secret. Simple as it's that, man. It's the secret, brother. And if you don't know what the secret is, just watch him. Just watch Milwaukee play. Watch how they treat a game against Phoenix and a game against Philadelphia, a conference rival. Can if, I provide if, another if, if you, hint? And you can if you can't see the difference. Yep. Okay, so
0: if you want to know about the secret, okay, if you don't know what we're talking about when we refer to, quote-unquote, the secret, watch the Milwaukee Bucks bench during this game. Don't even watch the floor. Don't watch the court at all, right? Don't look at the scoreboard. Just watch the Bucks bench. Watch how they behave. Watch how they respond. Watch how they cheer on their teammates. That's all you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's all you need to know about the secret of basketball. Watch the bench. I'll, I'll leave. I, I might end the, Mo- the Milwaukee Bucks conversation at that. I, might truly be- I, I truly, truly believe this. If you don't know about the secret, if you don't know about the Milwaukee Bucks, and you're watching an NBA game, just watch their bench. Don't look at the court. Don't look at the score. Don't look at the crowd. Watch the bench. and Watch how they, they, they behave. Watch how they respond to each other. That tells you enough, man. Culture
1: and that. continuity. Culture and continuity. It's the name of the game. It's the most, I think it's the two ingredients on championship teams that get slept on the most. You know, obviously you can make the case about Toronto last year. They, they made their pieces, but an all-time run by one of, the, one of the best players in NBA history already in Kawhi Leonard. But culture and continuity, if you look through the, the history of the NBA, when you have both those things and you have the talent, you have the roster and you have the depth, you have those seven, eight guys that it takes to win an NBA title, Things kind of They're just fall into place.
0: They're deep, man. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, it translates. But hey, we're I gonna like, do
1: one of these in June, man, and and maybe we'll be doing it hammered. You know, celebrating uh, <laughs> a a oh, nice little man. Milwaukee Bucks victory. For yeah, I might player. be at
0: a tattoo parlor getting a Milwaukee <laughs> Bucks championship tattoo on like my face, like a Larry O'Brien, with... like right in yeah. <laughs> the pec. Trophy, it'd just sensational. It would be incredible. Wow. Um, all right, Uncle Luke, fantastic State of the Union. I think we've got five minutes now just to kind of catch up, tell people what's going on in our lives, um, kind of our our content ideas here moving forward. Um, so, Uncle Luke, let's catch up, buddy. Let's let's tell the people where are you living, where are you working, are are you getting your your weekly shots up?
1: Uh, what's going on, my guy? You know, I wouldn't say it's not as it's not as much as I want to. I it, for the most part, it's weekly. Um, you know, with with scheduling and, and work and everything, I'm gonna be traveling a little bit. Hopefully, you and I can link up in Phoenix in late March. The last spring training game when I'm there of the season is Padres Cubs. Be, wow. awfully ni- be awfully nice to meet each other up when you're covering the pods and I'm down there in, in Phoenix for for a, an event doing a, some video and podcast. I'm really gotten into this podcast stuff um, just in general. It's it's what I love to do and love to produce. And it's kind of where my career is kind of heading right now. I'm still doing a little bit of other stuff, video production, anything. So, you know, I've always welcomed people who have ideas that want to put them into fruition. You know where to find me. You know how to contact me. It's as it's, it's simple as that. Uh... You know, I think content ideas we should tell the people about the Kobe thing we're doing because there is no there is no way for us to really describe in just a podcast form uh you know, Kobe Bryant's legacy to to people who grew up in the post Jordan era. You know, I didn't get the I don't remember seeing the Bulls win in 98, but I know exactly what Michael Jordan looks like because of Kobe Bryant cuz he emulated him in every single part of part of his way um you know i used to when i when i was writing back in the day i used to write about kobe bryant all the time because he was the perfect athlete of you know growing up i didn't like him i was more of a shack guy myself and then as i became to mature and kobe as well began to mature and 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 kind of left the the younger bravado of of his his former self and and you know post you know the sexual uh the domestic violence allegations um or excuse me sexual assault not domestic violence um, and he, he matures and becomes the quote unquote black mama, and then his post career, seeing him become a dad with Gigi and the rest of his girls, is it? It was a, it's it's the perfect uh, it emulates like the the journey of a hero almost, where you didn't like him at first. You know him and Shaq break up, that's ugly, and then as as life kind of moves on, and he and he wins the two championships with Powell, you see him kind of change, and that's when I began to like Kobe Bryant. And I think for you and I, you know, if you want to tell him what we're gonna do, but I think this, this kind of you know pie as you called it series that we're going to do whether you know we'll we'll do the kobe ones but we're also going to do other ones moving forward so it's not solely just like news of the day based podcast but more so you know things that affected us as sports fans as, as as people who enjoy consuming culture consuming you know uh news and everything i think this will be a great way for us moving forward to to kind of talk about you know the, the generation the NBA Live generation I think you know Kobe's passing and and uh, Vince Carter's uh, final year is kind of we're kind of finally putting the bow on on a generation of basketball that I fell in love with and it's the reason why we're talking about it today is because of those guys Mac McGrady uh, Shaq Kobe the list goes on we've talked about them all the time but I think that podcast series is going to be awesome for us to kind of in retrospect look back on that generation that we love dearly.
0: So what we what Uncle Luke is talking about and what he's referring to is Uncle Luke and I are, are working on a series of podcasts. Uh, it's gonna be three to four episodes. is kind of what we're eyeing up. Um, we'll release them probably kind of throughout the end of the summer. Is kind of what we're looking at uh, as a possibility. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and start to focus our work more on a uh, very specific topic. So again, as Uncle Luke said, kind of getting away from the news cycle, right? It's so hard to the the trade deadline. We're not going to release a podcast the following day when you have other jobs going on and you're trying to do other things and and build a brand and do whatever. It's very hard to stay within that news cycle. So we decided to focus our attention on podi And and it's going to be our way I love of the word. of like uh it's essentially almost a 30 for 30 but just in podcast form and it'll be a series of episodes and it might uh, extend beyond sports even but you know one of the first ones that we're going to be doing is going to be looking at kobe bryant's career life and legacy in retrospect and and kind of where it lands today and and how his early passing changes it. it 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 alters the way that we're going to view his career in a way that I'm not sure we were really ready or expecting to handle, but here we are, um, you know, life, life continues on, you know, it's been about a week now since the passing of Kobe Bryant, but we didn't think that we could just do a, a Kobe Bryant in memoriam episode one week later. Yeah, we no didn't chance. feel there. You just could never, Ever mustered up the words, the courage to do so. So we're going to take the next two to three months, uh, starting starting honestly here very very soon. Uh, we're going to have a couple guests. We're going to have uh, long discussions between the two of i. We're going to look at our favorite head to head battles. We're we're going to look at our favorite Kobe Bryant career defining games. What was the first game you watched and knew that Kobe Bryant was the man? And you know we've we've highlighted previous episodes we've titled them the last of a dying breed we've we've called this generation the nba live generation you know we, we've looked at kobe's relationship with other players but we want to do this right and yeah. we didn't feel that if we rushed it or if we if we tried to just get it out we would do it correctly or properly so you know coming out in a couple months is is Something that Uncle Luke and I are going to be working very, very hard to create. It's not going to be easy. Um, when you work full time jobs, right? All these people who are listening, you know, they listen to this as they go to work. And Uncle Luke and I were creating this when we get home from work. So
1: or going you know, to work
0: <laughs> or going to work, right? But again, it it takes work. It takes time. We want to do this correctly um, in honor of of the legacy and listen Kobe Bryant as much as either of us really didn't like him but man oh man he was a big part of our basketball lives so excited to announce this man the the Kobe Bryant series that we're going to be putting together here um in the next six months but should be pretty special um I know Uncle Luke you've got the podcasting stuff going on um I've started work with 97.3 here in San Diego uh Padre season is right around the corner I'm going to be uh, producing the games. I'm going to be helping with the pregame and postgame show. I'll be cutting highlights, uh, picking those out. I'll be making sure the correct like commercials play, uh, the local spots versus national spots. Um, I, I told briefly on the last one, I'm working with a film production company in Los Angeles. We just got back from the Sundance Film Festival. Our film, Farewell and More, did outstanding. I'm so proud of the team and and the way it went and actually we're, you know, we're very excited to announce the film sold. So domestically, domestically Boom. and in theaters, dude, it's sold. So, That's awesome. um, this is our first film as a team and we are, I'm so proud to be a part of the process. And the fact that our first film sold within like six days of premiering is unheard of. So, it's only good. Good looks moving forward here for the film production company. We got some cool stuff that I cannot announce. NDAs are out the ass, so I I got to keep my lips pretty sealed when it comes to future projects. But I, I promise I will keep you guys in tune. I'll keep you in touch with what's going on. And then if you,
1: I, go ahead. I was gonna say if you if you ever watched one episode of Entourage, that Bobby Bucket sitting courtside, you know talking to people wearing three-piece suits, hopping on private jets, going to film festivals. I wouldn't say you're Vinny. No, no. I wouldn't I say you're like drama. E. I might be more like E. Might I'm, be more like E.
0: I might even, I don't know. Give me give me 10 years. I, I'm i going to approach the Ari Gold stage of this here. Honestly, <laughs> okay. pretty soon. Give me 10 years, though. I'm, I'm too young right now. I'll get there, though. I promise. I, I think I'm going to get there. Um and then last but not least, I'm in talks with a uh a website about creating content, writing blogs, uh, creating podcasts, creating videos. Um and it's not gonna be just sports, really. it's gonna be politics, it's gonna be movies, pop culture, film, T V, uh, sports, uh pro wrestling, whatever it is. So I'm in talks with them. I can't announce obviously who it is or what it is by any because nothing official yet, but once that is signed, sealed, and delivered, I'll have a better idea of how I'll be releasing my content for the 2020 year. But you can better believe Uncle Luke and I will be staying in touch and continuing to do these podcasts that, oh, we so much love to do, my friend.
1: We ain't going anywhere.
0: That's for sure. Nah, nah, Chief. We ain't no going chance. anywhere. <laughs> no um, chance. Three days in May? Three it days may in just may. be happening one more time. <laughs> Uh, we may see you in San Diego. We may have a fellow uh, Mizzou kid out there around the same time in uh in Jack Maze. So we'll see what happens, man. But Uncle Luke and I are committed. We're determined. We're devoted to this. Uh, we have no plans of stopping anytime soon. We thank everyone who listens to this shit because you know at some point. That, you know that's why we do it. We do it because we love it. But people are out there listening and and sending us feedback. And believe it or not, every message that we get, it does mean so much. I I, I don't know if other people realize how much it means when they send something. They're, they probably think you know we don't appreciate it or, or don't enjoy it. But wow, when someone says, "Dude, listen to the podcast or whatever," I love it. Yeah, I, it really does. It really really does mean a lot. Uncle Makes Luke, the shit worth it. Uncle Luke. You got anything yes, else, buddy? Sir.
1: Nah, man. Fireguard packs, Bulls and Six, baby. Wrap it up. Let's go home.
0: <laughs> Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go home. Let's go home. Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go home. Let's go home